0: How do we create art in the second year of a global pandemic? What does it mean to build community in a city that became the epicenter for a nationwide reckoning with racism and police brutality?
1: These are the questions we ask ourselves every day as a theater with a 25 year history of standing for justice. We hold ourselves accountable to these questions. We create our program accordingly.
0: Pangaea World Theatre believes theatre is a sacred experience between the artist and the community. The Natya Shastra, a treatise of performance from India, teaches us the concept of total theatre, an expansive whole which includes many disciplines. Limited, boundaried definitions of theatre have been shattered.
1: It's almost a new nomenclature is required to describe the work that is demanded. When our community is burning, when it is attacked, Pangaea offers up the possibility of healing. When artists step up in the front lines to document, to listen, to create, to envision, to move, to organize.
0: And today, when our BIPOC communities are under attack, We turn to art to draw our strength. We listen. We remain resilient in creating safe spaces for our communities.
1: Pangea is relevant theater. This moment, now, it demands renewed courage and shared
2: imagination. That was Meena Natrajan and Dipankar Mukherjee of Pangea World Theater. As you heard, Pangea spent its 25th anniversary year helping their Lake Street community in Minneapolis heal the wounds and sort through the ashes left in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. But this mending and reckoning dance was nothing new for them. This is because Pangea's work is intrinsic to the story of this place. Its struggles, its beauty, its resilience. For many of those living in that community, what happened on May twenty-fifth, 2020, was no surprise, and neither was Pangea's response. Healing and resistance is what they were built for. Have a listen as Mina and DePankar share their inspiring story. This is change the story, change the world. My name is Bill Cleveland. Part one, total theater.
3: We are in Minneapolis, and this is the traditional homeland of the Dakota people, and we are really privileged and honored to live and work in the space in which Dakota, Ojibwe, and other First Nations people live.
2: And my part of this conversation is originating from Alameda, California, which is located on the unceded homelands of the Chochenyo people of the Muwikama Olone tribe. So when you encounter people anew who do not know your history and your story, uh, How do you describe Pangea and its work?
3: So my name is Meena Atrajan, and I am um, one of the artistic directors and the executive director of Pangea World Theater. It's always hard to describe our work because it's so multifaceted. We do so many things. And I remember you, Bill, saying to uh, us in the year 2000 or 2001 that you are more than a theater. And I feel like we've embraced that uh, a lot in the last 20 years as well we call ourselves theater because in India theater is defined as many things it's not limited it's got music dance visual arts and all of that is part of our theater of life and I would describe Pangea as a space which brings together people from many different backgrounds and ethnicities from across difference to create work together in a way that is real and authentic and messy that is truly a, a space of collaboration, where process is as important, if not more, than the product that we create, and where the, the work has always been relational and organic in the way that, is, that gets created. I, that's how I would describe NGO, where we care for the whole person, where people bring everything that they have into work. And uh, this artificial separation between uh, work and life doesn't exist, and the work still gets done in a really beautiful and rigorous way.
2: Mr. Dibankar, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yes. First of all, it's an honor, Bill, to be with you again. I consider you my mentor uh, in many ways, and I've learned a lot from you. And you are a friend of my soulmate, uh, J. Otis Powell. And and so it's so great to be in the same space with you. My name is Dipankar Mukherjee. I'm a co-artistic director of Pangea World Theatre. And what we are today is different from if we had to introduce ourselves last year, before May 26th. Now we are an expedited space of accountability, relevance at the Conference of Social Justice and Art. Yeah, we swim in that water through listening, uh, through activating, to stewarding, to standing in support, and constantly redefining what solidarity means and, and moving the word solidarity away from the, from the dusty shelves of philosophy to the practical rigor of, of doing. that's who we are today.
2: Everything that you have both shared calls up the idea of humans engaging humans in serious, profound work relative to the health and vitality and the stories of community. Could you talk about how theater holds that, how theater embraces that particularly?
3: I think because theater is an activity that actually requires other humans to be in the same space, this epidemic has been very hard for us in that way. Because, you know, theater is a living human beings performing in front of other living human beings. And, you know, you seeing the breath of that person And it's so immediate and so visceral. And that's hard to capture in any other medium. But one of the things that we've done is taken a lot of our work outdoors. And it's hard to do that in winter in this community. We've done a lot of Zool. In winter, I would say, uh, for for me, theatre is that space of immediacy, that space that can really emotionally move people in such an amazing way. Coming from the dramaturgy that we do, which is Indian theatre, theater, like what we believe in is something called total theatre, which is music, dance, uh, words are not separate from each other. They're all part of the same equation. They're all in the story. And it's always a circle. And th- there's a theory in the Natyashastra, which is the Indian treatise of dramaturgy that says that of the work is done by artists on stage, but the other 50% requires the audience. And so for me, that theater is that sacred space that we create between artists and audience.
2: So obviously the word community and the idea of theater that you just shared are intrinsically connected, cannot be separated. That one way I might say it is that without theater, community is not wholly expressed, that communities naturally come to Uh the practice of theater, whether they call it theater or not. Does that ring true?
3: Yes, definitely. It's a ritual, right? So it's that creating of ritual between the, the actors and then the audience.
2: One of the questions I have is one I'm very interested in hearing, and that is, once upon a time, there was no Pangea. How did it come about What's the story of Pangaea's birth?
1: What is never ceases to be. <laughs> what is not never was. So, pan- geologically, the word Pangaea is the pan is all, and Gaia is the goddess of the earth. And so, before the continent separated, we were together. That landmass was called Pangaea. So, the land existed as you know, before humans did. And so, the Pangaea World Theater in Minneapolis came about. When we really dreamt of a space that was needed of intersections the rivers meet. And I came to the Twin Cities as a resident director of the Guthrie Theater and, and I was there for a few years. And I went and saw a different theater. There was Teatro Latino, Teatro del Pueblo, Theatre Asian American Renaissance, Theatre Mu, Pedambra. And all these places had their own small sectional. Audience, and but when I went to see a film festival, when the credits roll up, unit in Ireland, unit in England, uh, unit in uh, Afghanistan, unit in Fiji, and then I go to see the cultural center over here, and their whole curatorial vision of world music. What is it about theatre that we are so sectional? And so we wanted to create a safe space, and it is not a you know Pollyannish. We are the world. God is in heaven, everything is good on earth type of... But a, a space where all of us sit in a circle and, and, and only the work is in the center. A, a collaborative space of, of debate, of agreement, disagreement, listening, non-listening, with all its dysfunctionality and functionality and sanctity and profanity and everything. But we had one request that we will not leave the room with residue in our heart. And of course, we come together because of theatre. We come uh, together because of skeletal, muscular, rigour, and a shared imagination. So we wanted to create that space. And I think in North America, it is so needed because I think in the larger context, our identity-based politics is actually a hindrance to genuine solidarity. So that, I would say, once upon a time, the people existed, the art has always existed, imagination has always existed, but we wanted to, to create a space where we coexist and really honor the interdependence of our social, political, cultural reality. And, 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 and that is the field which we have tilled for 25 years. So now.
2: you remind me of something at the center of why uh, I'm so heavily biased in that direction, which is that a healthy, thriving community cannot function without the creative process being a core presence. And the reason you remind me of it is that, of course, the reason Pangea exists is not an idea, it is a practice. That before any words, any script gets created, any collaborative work gets created, the container is this thousands of years old thing that humans have always done which is a performative expression of ideas and feelings and questions and a community and so I, the reason i say this is because so much of our contemporary society lives in the brain solely and theater is an embodied practice if you're not up and doing it doesn't exist yes and And when you talk about solidarity and community, it is so much easier. It's not easy, but it's so much easier to bring people together when there is something to do rather than just talk or an idea. Yes,
3: absolutely. And so much gets solved in that embodied practice as well often feel we use so many words in this culture. And so it's so much is also in the unsaid. And and in some ways in this country, it's difficult to leave things unsaid because we all come from such different places and worldviews. And at the same time, I think theater is one place that you can actually work through things in an embodied kind of way.
2: Um, and, and when you say work through things, that's the other part, which is if we're in conflict, the only thing that will bring us together is a mutual effort uh-huh. to deal with something we both care about. Right. And when you're on stage together with a bunch of people trying to figure out what to do next, that's front and center. Yeah. And I think a facilitation in that process is such an important practice,
3: right? You're an amazing facilitator. You've facilitated many programs for us and so that it is important to actually to have good facilitation it, it also doesn't happen by itself i think and there's also an intention and a commitment to do that and and i think that's why the intention set of let's not leave the room with uh, residue in our hearts and, and and frankly speaking how on earth can we expect to have peace and harmony outside in the world if you can't have peace and harmony between the 20 people that are working <laughs> together in a, in
2: a peace Part two, The Corner of 12th and East Lake. So, for somebody whose only experience with theater is through TV or going to traditional theater, if they were to go to an event or go through a season Mm -hmm. at Pangea, what would they be experiencing? What different things would they have to look forward to?
3: Definitely performances with the people on stage from completely different backgrounds, from possibly different languages in the same piece. It could be a classical text, or it could be a lot of original work that they would come and see in our theater. And also, we have been commissioning a lot of visual artists more in the last few years. So they might come and see a mural in our uh, beautiful city of Minneapolis, at the corner of 12th and East Lake Street, which we created. And right now, we're in the middle of a piece by Angela Two Stars, who's a Dakota artist. It's a piece called The Transition Stage. And we're collaborating with the church and i have commissioned this piece for the healing of our neighborhood. And as you know, Minneapolis has been the site of an enormous upheaval ever since Mr. Floyd got murdered um, on the street, which is about two miles from our offices. And then after that, there was an uprising in the place that we live in less than a mile away in front of the third police precinct. A lot of the buildings around there got completely burned to the ground. The restaurants that we've worked with closely, businesses that we've worked with closely, are no- nothing's there anymore. And so right opposite the third precinct, at the there was a liquor store before, and now it's just land. And the store owner has graciously given us permission to do something in that space. So we have commissioned this Dakota artist So is building a giant cocoon. And this is commissioned by the local church around the corner in Benjia. Mm-hmm. and Benjia. And people are putting their lamentations and their hopes for Lake Street on the cocoon. So, so if people were to pass by and they would actually come and participate in the community healing process where they would write down their hopes for Lake Street and put it on Vinyl and put it on this this giant cocoon that's going to be built in a and they would get to participate and have a conversation with the artist with all of us be in circle with us and we've been conducting story circles in our program that's called Big Street Arts which we've been doing since 2014. We just recently completed a program called Poetry in the Windows where we went and stuck uh, the words of poets on the windows of businesses to bring people into big street businesses so mm-hmm. that they can then experience the amazing people who live on, Le- who work on Lake Street. The immigrants, the indigenous people, the people of color, and all of the other businesses that have been there here for
1: 100 years. Well, the only thing I would add to that, Bill and Mina, is that that's what we do. But the why we do it is, the, the Aristotelian poetics talk about beginning, middle, and end. Uh, in Indian dramaturgy, there needs to be a need for something. The need gets activated into desire and then the third part is that the truth already exists it gets revealed to you so the difference between eastern uh, and western dramaturgy uh, is that i know eastern and western are very problematic terms indigenous is the west also i'll just talk about one example poetry in the windows the need when there was construction on the street or lake street most of the businesses over here are owned by immigrants and the moment winter finishes you have construction Who wants to deal with that traffic? And so it really affected the businesses. We live in Minneapolis, on Lake Street. Our friends own these businesses. The idea is that we'll do a poetry crawl. So the poet will read the poem. And then the idea that all these people outside we go into the businesses. And then, of course, that, that was the first incarnation of poetry in the windows when we did it. And the second incarnation is... Post Brother Floyd's murder, when everything was boarded up, now that the businesses have opened. So, the need is the economic vitality or, or economic livability for these immigrant businesses to sustain themselves. And therefore, Ellen Hinchcliffe, was a brilliant curator, curated this. Call out for poets to talk about Lake Street, to talk about memory or whatever has gone down on Lake Street. And then we curated about 25 poets, and they're on about two feet by three feet. Poetry clings. First of all, develop relationalities. Then they give us a window. And then we put it up. And then, all on, on Lake Street, the idea is that we'll do a poetry crawl so the poets will read.
2: If you looked deep into my grandparents' faces, into their eyes, you would see that all the world merges into one dream, one linking unity. Like the earth, the sun, the righteous rains.
1: Strength has always been a numbers game. We all add up to one.
0: Now say black, not a question. Universes are speaking, the back of your throat velvet unfurling.
1: There is a dangerous thirst for all to be right with the world, no matter who must pay with their lives.
0: Don't confuse what people survive or how they are stolen with who they are. This tolerance I felt guilty for wanting in the middle of Lake Street for you to tease out your white boy grin. My insides purged the reaper The street was like flypaper after that.
2: Caked with a muddy love, carrying our one soul to a new earth, a new birth. We heard from Poets in the Windows artists Louis Alameu, Rush Mergent, Sagira Shahid, and Ellen Marie Hinchcliffe. And
1: people outside going to the businesses. And that's the dream. Each of our program, uh, there's a need, you know, uh, and and therefore the programs get birth. Mm-hmm. We have never had the privilege of what is, if I yeah, was a room of my own. Our privilege is that we are on the soil and the need of the soil dictates our uh, season.
2: The quote that rises up, which is a David Byrne quote, which is as it ever was, mm-hmm. because theater did not arise for entertainment in in the human community. Theater arose because it was a significant aspect of survival and connection Mm -hmm. for a community that desperately needed to be able to cooperate and find common ground and and solve problems as a collective. But it occurs to me that one of the things that the Pangeas of the world Are endeavoring to do is to basically reintegrate these practices into the heart of community life. So it's not like we have this new, amazingly innovative idea about what theater can be as it ever was.
1: I love that, as it ever was. It never was what it was.
2: (laughs) Yes. You have shared little glimpses into different things that you do. Is there one or two? that you say, OK, Pangea really manifested its, its mission, its purpose in this project or this effort. And what I would ask you to do is tell the story of something that really, really personified what Pangea is all about.
3: There are so many stories both inside the theater as well as outside the theater. In 2012 to 2014, we worked in our Lake Street Arts program prior to being called Lake Street Art it was called Hyphenations. So we were working with the Latinx community in Minneapolis. And so what happened was that we were doing a play about crossing the border, about what it meant, how difficult it was, because these were all people who were immigrants. And I remember there were several people from the Somali community who came to that show. uh, And they looked at that show and they said, whatever it is that you're doing here with that community, we want that. And that was a very moving moment for us. And what we said instead was that we would love that to happen. And we could do that, but what we really are also passionate about is bringing Latinx, Somali, and Indigenous communities together. on Unleashed, and if you are up for that, we would love to make that happen.
1: So, we will not work without them. They have to be the the catalyst. Yeah, and, yeah. and we'll steward the room. We will be around the room, but yeah. I mean, there's also what we also defined. Yeah. How do we enter communities, yeah. and how do we exit? And and so the the delicate and the fragility with which we hold uh, allyship. Uh, I said we will do anything possible, but we, there has to be a core group of people from within the community. Yeah,
3: and I think I think I prefer the word you know, solidarity because solidarity is a more active word, but perhaps that's just uh, dancing with words as, as opposed to actually doing the thing, which is doing the indescribable. And words are so inadequate sometimes. Yeah. So if
2: I'm somebody thinking about this, I'm thinking different people from uh, different communities who live in a geography that's rather closely connected, who have many things in common, but their paths have not always crossed and have definitely not had many opportunities to examine and explore the questions and and issues and stories together with others. So what you're describing is something that is not common in traditional theater, which is, we don't have a piece, we're making a piece. The piece is made by the people whose story is being told, Mm -hmm. and the process has structure. But each piece will be a different journey, a different path. Dipankar, could you describe, for someone who is not familiar with this kind of making, what happens when you get people who are new collaborators, new to a community of making, together, how does it go from beginning to middle to end so there actually is a piece that occurs on stage? Yeah,
1: you know, Mina actually uh, is the sculptor of the text. So oh, please jump in. You know, Bill, we all know our stories. So they know their stories. Maybe we provided the scaffolding in which the stories are or, or sacred bowls, in which the stories are honored. And their stories are validated. Uh, and that's why I'm very consciously using the word sacred, both because the words have always been there, the stories have always been there. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I am a marginal voice. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, Today, let's uh, gather their children and say, Let's go stay in the margins. This center margin mindset never existed and has not, not existed, it has been enforced. By by, people who or particular particular mindset, which which are afraid that the membrane is porous, and so the stories have always existed. The stories needed to be shared. The stories desire to be shared.
2: So, Pangea is providing a space where there these many, many existing and often ignored stories find a respectful home together, in a way that honors both the tellers and the listeners with a compelling narrative. That's a a tall order. Could you say more about how that works?
1: It begins with, number one, how do we amplify those stories? But then when we enter and start building the scaffolding, we do it in a very definitive gingerliness, because while you are just bringing the scaffolding there, There are elders from that community who come and say, no, put it there, put it in. They know how their stories need to be told. They know it. But of course, just like in every story, there are some patriarchs who need to be listened to, but they cannot hold the whole canvas. So what we do, yes, we identify progressive voices, youth voices, elders, people that are marginalized, LGBTQ communities. And what we do is make sure that the multiple voices Multiple realities are present. And then once their stories are told, we have a process of asking people, okay, what are the five to- five issues or five topics that we want to say? From five, we, uh, we say, okay, what, let's choose three. And then it's amazing how ultimately there are some intersectionalities and we arrive at certain stories in which everybody has been the architect. It's not that we direct it all the time, we write it all the time. The, within the community, by that time, a writer has evolved, a director has evolved, a choreographer, because it always existed. It's just that you don't know them because you have never invited them home. That's why I take umbrage when people say they give voice to the voiceless. The of point course. is, you have put a hearing aid now. That's the only thing. You're not giving any fucking voice to any voiceless.
3: Deepakas's uh, methodology of directing is truly collaborative. And, and that's why he's directed most of my plays. I think that part of his gift is to re- truly bring out of the actor the best. And I, that is the gift of a good director, in, in my opinion. And to create ensemble is such a difficult thing. And I think that those are processes that parkour does, knows how to do very well. When you enter a role, the ensemble gets created. Every day the circle, actually he always quotes you, Bill. And he says, every time you come back in, you have to create the circle all over again. And he knows how to get really the best embodied work out of the actors. There is a common sense mm-hmm. of space that people enter into so that people focus on the work and not themselves. And those are very important little practices that help create the work in a way that people bring their best self.
2: Part 3. Directing for the Ritual Fire So, someone who's just graduated from a school of drama, what you're talking about might say it sounds insane. Because where is the structure? Where is the authority? Where are the professionals here? And who's going to impose a vision on this? And it occurs to me it is so important that you invite these directors from around the world who, my guess is, they all recognize what it is you're up to. And it's not business as usual. Right. And so we run this directing institute since 2012,
3: and it's called the National Institute for Directing and Ensemble Creation. It really was specifically created for people of color and women directors. When we were doing our research between 2008 to 2012, we found that there were not many people of color directing or even women directors directing in especially main stages of even regional theaters. They were in those little boxes. Mm-hmm. So we felt that we really needed to create this pilot and it's been going on amazingly. We've also had three gatherings of indigenous. theaters again because we felt that that was one community that had been overlooked.
2: Let's listen to some of the participants in the Director's Institute reflecting on their experience.
4: We are truly one and interconnected. Just the humanity in the room is going to change my bravery.
3: Connections that we've made here today, I think, will impact me for the rest of my artistic life and perhaps personal life as well. We are creating a support system and network so that we can draw upon each other, I think, for for years to come.
4: I hope that the Institute ultimately turns the idea of directing and acting on its head. The impact that this will have on the field as it continues is huge. It's deepening my practice in ways that I didn't know that I needed. It's affirming things in myself that I didn't know I needed to be affirmed. (laughs) It's giving me insights into the incredibly varied ways that people are like really committing themselves and diving deeply into these questions of art related to ceremony, related to ritual, related to
2: justice and Um, it's beautiful. And what is exciting, I think, is that, that your audiences also understand that they are more likely to be surprised by what happens in front of them in the spaces where the work gets presented, both to them and for them in the context of theater. Which is, it's a real gift. To my mind, it's once again a reminder what is theater Mm -hmm. for? Is it a night out? Yeah. Is is it something we do after we have dinner and then we go to the theater and then we go home? No, not in this case. It can be a profound moment in your life that probably poses more questions than it has answers.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Bill, so just to go back in the process, we have professional playwrights, directors, lighting designers, sound designers, and some of them have degrees, some of them have no degrees. Most of my teachers in India never even saw a degree. In fact, they make fun of my degree. But the point is, there is this terminology. I used to speak so powerfully about my community. Then a friend of mine said that you are not doing community theater. I said, what the, What do you mean? You're doing professional theater. I said, of course. What else will I do? I Then I realized that, oh my God, there is this hierarchy, the caste system, the unspoken caste system of theatre. There is university theatre, there is community theatre, then there is professional theatre. I said, man, we have to take all these definitions and burn it in the ritual fire of art. And then from the ashes, let's start yeah. creating work that matters. So to me, it's like jazz. Like Jai says, the cats get together and the cats go to play and then... Out of five, four people step back and one leads. And we are holding the rhythm. And then that person steps back, the other person comes back. So these are all ace fucking professionals. Sharon Day, she's 69. She has spent more than 45 years of her life creating theatre, creating art. She does not have a degree, but she can take multiple MFAs, BFAs together. <laughs> Chew us <laughs> together and spit us out. You might love to use a Sharon Day's piece.
3: The Missouri River Water Walk. So she just went 53 days in 2017 walking the Missouri River. And uh, it was almost like a travelogue play. And it's
4: Um, beautiful. My name is Sharon Day and I'm the playwright for uh, the Missouri River Water Walk. I uh, led the walk from Three Forks, Montana to uh, the confluence with the Mississippi River in St. Louis, Missouri. So we begin every day with song, and we end every day with song. And some of those songs that we created along the way are in this musical.
0: And
4: you spend your entire day Passing the water from one person to another, walking a mile, handing the water to another person, and saying, You know, in God's be gate, I will do it for the water. We walked through so many uh, tribal lands and uh, beautiful lands, and, but we also saw um, what we've done to the rivers. Um, there's the largest earthen dam in the world um, in Montana on the Missouri. Uh, You have the Bakken oil fields and, of course, we walk through Standing Rock. If we can learn to make that connection with the water and respect and honor the water, love the water, ask for forgiveness, that we can then treat each other that same way with respect and kindness and love. And it's unbelievable to me that, that people cannot look at me and see a human being that people cannot look at uh, my grandchildren and see them as human beings, Um, that they cannot look at them and see that they are a precious star. So hopefully this play will get people to see a group of women, five women, didn't know each other, embark on this journey of 53 days, and at the end, that we became family. And hopefully people will see if we can become family in a particular act of trying to save um, the water, that that can transform itself into other work in their day-to-day life. We just had a water ceremony here this morning, and I told everybody in the circle, you must do more, and we all must do more.
2: Listening to that reminds me, how much a powerful story is more than just words that follow the rules of grammar. The power of Sharon Day's story is in the generational history and life paths that have nurtured and built them. And that is something more than just craft, right? The craft
1: does not build the pyramids. A generation has dug the foundation. and Another generation builds the foundation Third generation builds the temple
3: without humanity. Yeah, no, nothing is possible honestly.
1: Yeah, that's
3: what it is really. I mean, it's, you can bring your craft to the table, but that, like I said, if you can't create community with the people around you, what how are you creating community outside? Seriously, what else is there in life but to create to make yourself a better human being mm. and to be joyful? You know, in the, in the end,
2: that's a powerful and straightforward question, Mina. Mina. Good one, I think, to end the first part of our conversation, which will continue in our next episode. So, listeners, please join us for Chapter 2 of the Pangea World Theater Story. Change the Story, Change the World is a production of the Center for the Study of Art and Community, Our theme and soundscape are created by the brilliant Judy Munson. Our senior editor is Andre Nebe. Our FX department lives on the web at freesound.org. And our inspiration, as always, comes from the mysterious lurking presence of OOK 235. Thanks to you for tuning in, and please keep safe, stay well, and spread the good word.